This is the IDP After Show. Is the AFC North the best division for IDPs in all of football? Today, on the IDP After Show, I, your host, Evan Ronda, am joined by Matthew Montgomery of footballguys.com and Last Word on Sports Network. And we're going to be talking about some of the top players in the AFC North, as well as some incoming rookies. So stick around, and we're going to break it down for you. So Matt, I know that there are a lot of guys competing for that number one spot, and I love who you have picked here, and more importantly, your justification for why that is. So why don't you go ahead and talk about your first guy on the list? Yeah, so number one for me was a toss-up because I think there's two people that you could go with here and it would be the correct answer. Uh, for me, it's Roquan Smith, uh, linebacker for the Ravens. Honestly, since he burst into the league, he's only had one year where he hasn't had 100 total tackles. I think the consistency there kind of allows me to be more risky on other positions. And when you have a, that solid inside linebacker that you know is going to be getting tackles, we can also make a couple of other plays throughout the year. You're never going to go wrong. That being said, TJ Watt is a huge playmaker, but now we're starting to see some injuries. We're starting to see a little bit of the, I don't want to say bust because he's never been a bust, but the boom bust potential. Sometimes you're going to get that two, three point game that's going to leave you like, ah, oh, what are we doing? Roquan rarely, if ever, scores under double digits. And I just like the consistency more with Roquan than TJ, although it was close. I, I I don't think you're wrong if you think TJ's better. Yeah, I hear you. I think the volatility aspect of that is hugely important. And and maybe for some managers, it's a case-by-case basis. You know, maybe you prefer the volatility because you want the upside. Maybe other guys prefer the floor aspect that Roquan Smith provides. I agree with you. You really can't go wrong with either player. And I think perhaps maybe the biggest difference between these guys is simply just the position that they play. Roquan Smith is a linebacker and will be in your linebacker spot. TJ, what's an edge rusher? It kind of depends on the league that you're in, what platform you play on. You mentioned earlier you'd prefer to play on MFL, where he is listed as a defensive end. On sleeper, he has dual eligibility, where he's listed as a defensive end and a linebacker. Now, if you play him in your linebacker spot, you're doing something wrong. But uh, all that to be said, you know, what position do you hold to be more valuable? And uh I think that's a little bit more subjective. Maybe it depends on your league right. format or your scoring settings, but I can't disagree with you here, man. Roquan Smith has an incredibly high floor, incredibly consistent. And TJ Watt, man, I mean, he just came off a defensive player of the year season before getting injured. That sack upside and that weak winning potential is huge. And I think where the list really starts to get interesting is that number three spot. And I love who you have here. So why don't you go ahead and break them down for me? Yeah, so number three for me, is new to the division this year and hasn't played a single snap in the division, so maybe this is a little bit more bold than others uh, because there are some big names that I skipped over. But I'm a big believer in Cole Holcomb in Pittsburgh. Same thing, inside linebacker, proven track record. The guy gets tackles. You know, if you're if you are looking for the top IDPs, it's those guys that you know. I'm putting him in my lineup, and I'm going to move on to the harder questions about who needs to go in the lineup. Holcomb, Roquan Smith, TJY. You got these guys on your team. You're starting them. You're not going, oh man, who do they play? You know, who who's lining up on the other side of them? It doesn't matter. You are starting these guys because they are giving you um the points that you are looking for at that position. 
he also, I think, is taking on a role here. We were talking before the show a little bit about Pittsburgh linebackers. Miles Jack was probably my, at least my personal worst miss this year, as far as, uh, or this past year, as far as somebody who I was like, oh, taking over the league. This is, you know, he's the next big thing here. You know, he got a bad rap in Jacksonville, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, it just felt like he never really took that spot. Holcomb has shown us that, okay, throughout the first, I think he's in year five or six, throughout his first few years here, he, even with the competition of Jamin Davis, who was taken early for the commanders back two or three years ago, that it didn't matter who was around him. It didn't matter. He was scoring. He was getting the tackles. He was all over, all up and down the field playing a lot of snaps, not injury prone. He's the kind of guy that you want here. I think going to Pittsburgh, it's going to benefit um, the Steelers and your IDP rosters long-term. Yeah, and I think one of the most important things that we haven't talked about is the mullet. I mean, how could they forget? <laughs> yeah, now that's love automatic. It's not five. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, you really covered it here. The Steelers and that in that inside linebacker position had a massive vacancy. Like you mentioned, they lost Miles Jack. They lost Devin Bush. They lost Robert Spillane. They had nobody there. And so Cole Holcomb was one of the first guys that they brought in in free agency. And you can tell that they absolutely have a plan for him. Now, you know, how that defense works on a scheme basis, that's maybe something that can have a smaller impact on his week-to-week tackle efficiency. But that being said... The opportunity is absolutely there. He should be a 100% snap player. And maybe he's being a little underrated. Right. And I want to add that I like how you spoke about the scheme. The scheme matters, but if you have guys that are on the field, they're going to get points. Yes. And they did not sign him to play backup. They signed him because he has shown over the course of his career that he could tackle the ball carrier. It doesn't matter whether it's a well off the middle, a slant pass, somebody going to the sidelines. He's going to be all over the field. And while I agree, scheme is good. He's got a defensive head coach, too, which always hypes me up with IDP players. You want those guys. He's the type of guy that he's going to be on the field. And if he's on the field, you're going to get points. Absolutely. Yeah, and, I, and I'm so glad that you specified that. I I don't know how listeners feel about all these different kinds of statistics. I would love to think that they have the same understanding of them that we do, but sometimes I'm not always sure. So I think it's good to kind of clarify. But like, uh, just how many snaps a player plays especially at the linebacker position, has an incredibly high correlation to fantasy points scored. It's like the the R-squared value is like 9.2 or something, which is just stupid high. It's like on a scale of 0 to 1, and most offensive fantasy stats are like 0.01 or 0.02, like barely anything. Um, But yeah, as far as like scheme goes, not as high of a correlation. Like it's kind of that next level is like, okay, so if you're trying to tie break between like 20 different guys that all play 100% of snaps, okay, maybe you can fudge a little bit there. But yeah, Cole Holcomb is going to be on the field. He's going to be scoring points. And that's why he's number three on your list. And I think for a good reason. Now, a guy that everyone here should recognize and who is absolutely one of the most talented defenders in the league, um, is that your number four spot? And I'd like to know why. Yeah, so Miles Garrett comes in at this spot here. And like I said, I I knew Roquan and TJ were one were one A, one B. Um, most people probably have Garrett three. I just really think that Holcomb came into the best opportunity in the division. I think we kind of know what we have with Miles Garrett here, which isn't a bad thing at all. I mean, he's incredible. Uh last year was the first time we saw an injury, but it was or one I should say one of the first times we saw him kind of come back from an injury there, but it with a car accident, and he still had sixteen sacks. 
So it was like, okay, you're, you know what you're going to get. Defensive end, which is a position that, after all the position changes this past offseason that we're seeing throughout of the different leagues, has become an even more valuable position. That being said, I just like linebackers more than defensive line, and that's not any... There's The reason being is consistency. Again, some of these guys will get you two or three points, and Garrett had a couple of those point uh, games last year. But he also had those huge games where you see you know, one and a half sacks, four tackles, you know, stuff like that, where he cannot be stopped. I just personally like the consistency a little bit more. I don't trust Cleveland as a whole. I'm a Bengals fan from Cincinnati, so I don't trust Cleveland for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> I do believe that I just think that he's he's shown you who he is, and it's great. How long will he keep that up? Will he be 15, 16 tackles two or three more years? Is he starting to slow down a little bit? They don't really have that. They just traded for Zadarius Smith, which I do think improves his value because now he's not the only credible path rusher on that team. But how much will it affect him? Yeah, and that's it's good to point out, too, again, your preference and position. Now, anybody who's been in one of these best ball drafts with me knows how addicted I am to going defensive line early and then getting some of those later tier linebackers. So my quote-unquote disagreement here isn't even really a disagreement. It might just be a little bit of a difference in philosophy and the fact that I prefer to invest my value. I, I see positions as like buckets that you can pour value into. And so if I have high-end value, I prefer to pour it into the defensive line bucket because I believe there's a higher correlation between like projected or predictable skill and production at the defensive line position at the high end versus like linebackers or something because I feel like there are some later linebackers that have just as good a chance to score lots of points. That being said, I I 100% agree with putting Miles Garrett here on this list. I, I think he is, again, like I said earlier, one of the best defenders in the league, has incredible upside. Uh, but obviously him being a defensive lineman means that there are going to be weeks where he lets you down a little bit. Right. Um, and I, I, mean, I want yeah. to clarify too, when when building a team, I like the consistency. Mm-hmm. I believe in linebackers should be the foundation of your IDP roster. When I'm playing week to week though, I love to have those boom bust guys. I think having, like if you have a three positional spot at linebacker, say you want, you know, your two inside linebackers because you know you need some points. I like that third guy, that maybe that flex position, that's who I want to have that boom bust potential. My edge rusher, if they're not coded as defensive end, if they're coded as a linebacker, that's where I think that you get the most value in an IDP lineup. Have that third spot be your your dice roll. Yeah, I, that's super cool. Okay, see, because now we're covering bases that I almost never get to talk about. I'm a I'm a sleeper guy. I've been playing on sleeper IDP pretty much ever since I started playing IDP. Still relatively new to this, listeners. So don't be hating on me too much. I'm not an old head playing on MFL, but. Um, I do like that additional level of game theory, speaking my language, man, giving yourself an opportunity to have a weak winning performance. And Miles Garrett, absolutely, he's a guy that can do that. And now we are T.J. Watt, who had the five-sack week Super Bowl Sunday when I needed to do the most. Hey, man, dude, that was... Baby, Super that Bowl was, Monday, I guess. That was nice, dude. That was so nice. Um, we're moving into a defensive back now. Again, I think this guy is really underrated as an NFL player. I guess that kind of depends who you ask. I think he's really, really good, but he's also a stealer, which would make sense why I think he's really, really good. So why don't you go ahead and talk about the safety? Yeah, so for people who know me, I'm a huge Minka guy. The only person I think is better than him at the position is Derwin James, and I honestly think that it's week to week even at times. Minka Fitzpatrick, the safety for the Steelers, I think is an absolute home run at the position, and I think that you... (laughs) 
Obviously, you can overdraft anyone, but I think that if you have somebody like him on your team, you can't necessarily look at it as a bad pick, regardless of where you take him. Now, obviously, I wouldn't take him 1-1, you know, stuff like that. But if you're needing a defensive bag and you're like, oh, I don't want to take one too early, but you land on Mika, I don't think that's a bad thing. He's absolutely, and I'm not a Steelers fan, again, I'm a Bengals guy, so this pains me to say, but I don't think that there's any more exciting of a defensive player to watch currently than him. Um Week one against the Bengals, I believe he had a pick six, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken last year. So right out of the gate, he hits you hard. I think the first four weeks of the year, he was the number one IDP, had some uh, injury issues, had some uh, bad games, dud games that he ended up uh, falling to, I believe, safety seven. But at the end of the day, if he can stay on the field with his playmaking ability, I think that there's no question he'll finish top two or three, if not number one safety, and even contend for that top IDP spot. Absolutely. I I so rarely invest heavily into the DB bucket. And so Mika Fitzpatrick's probably not a guy that I'll get on my team unless you know, I get him in a trade where I get him for a really good deal. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I disagree with the analysis here. I absolutely agree. Uh, I've had this running theory with Minka for a while now and the fact that he plays deep safety so often and typically you don't see very high tackle efficiency with defensive backs that line up at deep safety and yet for whatever reason Minka seems to defy that statistic and just keeps getting tackles and my my curious mind is just kind of like I wonder if that's just because you know Terrell Edmonds and Devin Bush and Miles Jack and Robert Spillane are all just so bad that they're missing tackles like Steelers run defense last year was so garbage. I'm like, I wonder if, you know, his tackle efficiency will go down if they improve at the linebacker position. But what that doesn't account for is the fact that he's an absolute ball hawk and he's just super, super good. And yeah, so I'm not. He's yeah. not the type of guy that you want to play with deep, honestly. I mean, it's one of those things where he's got the, he's got great ball skills. Um, he's going to have he's going to be a part of four to five turnovers a year, if not more, whether he's the one creating them or he's the beneficiary of fumble recovery just because he's in the right spot at the right time. And again, it's it's boom bust. You know, but his bust, his floor is, you know, eight or nine points. His boom, twenty twenty five. And it's not it's not out of the question to see that that twenty more than that single digit performance with him. Yeah. Seriously. Um, now, we've been talking about all of your rival teams in the division, but I think it's about time we give you a chance to pump up one of your own guys. So let's go and jump into your next guy on the list. Yeah, so honestly, I love the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Logan Wilson is a great player for the Bengals. Honestly, IDP, he makes me a little bit nervous, especially when you compare him to the other linebackers in the division now, especially with Cole Olko coming in, and we're going to get to him later, Landon Roberts. Uh, I like him. He's the more consistent of the two linebackers there with him and Pratt. And again, as we're seeing a theme here, I'm going to go with my inside linebackers. I just want the consistent. Are you on the field? Are you tackling people? Are you making plays? Are you getting the snap counts? Are you missing assignments? Your snap counts are going down. Uh, shout out to John Norton, who kind of helped teach me that philosophy as a stubborn stubborn kid who wouldn't listen to snap counts. It's like, no, I got 20 points, but he only played two snaps. He got lucky on those two. You know? So things like that, I'm trying to be more cognizant of. Logan Wilson plays. Logan Wilson is a big part of this defense, and... The Bengals are starting to build a core of people. They let some big names go this past offseason, but they really shored up some of the players that have been there through the tumultuous rebuilds that have now gotten us to this short-term window. Hopefully that turns into a long-term window. Uh, That being said, I'm a Wilson fan, but I wouldn't sell the farm to try to acquire him. I think if you can get him 
for value in later rounds or mid-rounds of your drafts. I think that's good. If you can trade mid-picks for him, I think it's worth it. I would not put all my eggs in that basket, though, because he does have decent competition with Pratt, and they're honestly interchangeable as far as um, point production. It's They're not separated by a lot. Yeah, the point production, I think, is maybe a little closer than the st- snap counts are. If I remember correctly, and that's a big if because my brain is sometimes a little mushy, but the the way the Bengals run their defense is they have one full-time linebacker, and then they have another guy who plays anywhere between 60 to like 80% of snaps. And so as it stands, or at least as it was last year, Logan Wilson was that full-time guy. Jermaine Pratt rotated in in packages, um, but they both scored points. now, And they just re-signed Pratt yes. this past offseason, which gives me... Uh, reason to believe that they want him to be a part of this defense and in a bigger role. And I'm not sure if that's why we're seeing all the movement with the safeties. I mean, we did a lot of work on defense last year. Our draft was um, anchored pretty heavily by the defense. So we'll see. I, I like Pratt probably more than Wilson this year, but I do think Wilson is probably the better grab. Yeah. When I think of your stereotypical linebacker, just the guy that plays the linebacker position, is an IDP asset, isn't exactly a special one, but is not a liability either. Logan Wilson is always the guy that comes to mind. He's not the kind of a player that you want to go out of your way to acquire, but I'm not avoiding him either. If he falls into my lap in a best ball draft, I'll consider taking him. He never does, so I haven't. But um, I mean, there's a clear tier difference between the ones that we just spoke about and then this part of it. I mean, our, the top five of this division is could hands down be the best top five in any of the divisions. But there was a clear drop off after Minka, where it was like, okay, now you're starting to look at it. It really probably is more so preference versus actual. Hey, I can back this up with statistics. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm just not really a big Wilson guy, honestly. And I'm a Bengals fan. I love the guy to death. I think he's awesome. But I'm just not. I don't know if I would go out of my way to get it. Yeah, and I think it's actually kind of interesting because it it's a bit of a in a nutshell explanation of positional stability year to year. Because at this time last year, I mean, I feel like people were hyping up Logan Wilson as like the next big thing, a linebacker, this guy's legit, like everybody should want him on their team. And now one year later, like, I don't necessarily think he's changed all that much. He's just been subject to variance, which is something that hits everybody. And it just kind of goes to show, you know, how safe truly are these assets? How much do they hold their value for? And how long do they hold that value? And it might not be as safe as we expect it to be. Um I, I'm really happy that you have this next guy on your list. He's been a guy that I have had an unhealthy exposure to in these best ball drafts. I take him almost every single time because he just keeps falling so far, and I'm higher on him than it seems the market is. But I am so glad that I've got a buddy here who believes in him with me, so let's go ahead and break him down. Yeah, so Elated Roberts is probably a name that you've seen on your waiver wire every year for like two or three years, and it's like, man, you pick him up. He has a decent week, but he's not good enough to like stay on your roster. Last year, he had his career high of 107 total tackles, and he was kind of playing in a Patriots uh, linebacker graveyard. I don't ever really like any Patriot player on offense or defense in fantasy. They're just it's. I feel like I'm always getting burned by that. But seeing him achieve a career high in that sort of situation, and then going to Pittsburgh, who again we've talked about are having more linebacker changes. There's a huge opportunity for him to be kind of like the sleeper of this division, I believe. I think that you could acquire him, like you said, later than most people. He's going to always be looked at as the second Pittsburgh linebacker, which he should be. Cole Holcomb's a stud. 
but I don't believe just because he's the second linebacker that he won't be able to contribute to your team. We've seen many teams over the years be able to support two linebackers. I believe Pittsburgh is one of those teams. And kind of like what you said, Mika was filling a lot of those holes statistically. If anything, there's an argument to be made that Elandon Roberts could hurt Mika's value because he's filling that gap, because he's not missing those tackles. Um, that being said, I still think Mika's, I would pick Mika over Elandon Roberts, but he has a true opportunity to separate himself and be an IDP asset that you could acquire late. Probably nobody's see if we're going to really remember you picked him until week four. And they're like, dude, where'd you get this guy? It's like, oh, I got him late. Nobody wanted him. Yeah. Um, and another note on on the Steelers defensive scheme, right? They give one guy full-time workload. They tend to give another guy less than full-time workload, but still a, a hefty, hefty sum of snaps. As it stands right now, Landon Roberts appears to be the player that they're giving that hefty load of snaps to. And I, I think he's probably better than Devin Bush. I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be some sort of talent evaluator at the NFL level, but Devin Bush is has not been great. He's been decent, but he hasn't been great. And so Landon's been Roberts, that guy that I've like, oh man, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. This is the week or this is the month. And then it's like, nah, there's a reason everybody keeps letting him go. He is an elite tease, but not a great <laughs> linebacker. Landon Roberts is, is going into his eighth year in the league, man. He's on his third contract. Like, Clearly, this guy can play ball. Otherwise, he wouldn't be doing this. And so I have to imagine he's going to be less of a liability on the field, which means he should get some points. Uh, I believe the Steelers were just interviewing another linebacker today, and I cannot remember who it was, but it was some free agent linebacker, nobody exciting, some guy that would probably be like third on the depth chart. Yeah, I might do some wins, research. Say that again? Games, man. Boring yeah. wins games. Yeah, Seriously. Um, I might I might do a little bit of digging and pull that up just because it's interesting to bring up. But we talked about this next guy a little bit already. I want to flesh it out a little more and just make sure we gave him the time and the spotlight he deserves. Uh, why are you particularly so high on Jermaine Pratt? I, I don't know if maybe just because he's been in Cincinnati for so long and that's like a home room to me. Like, I'm not going to lie to you and say like, oh, I'll root for these guys because I absolutely root for Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, Sam Hubbard, all of them. Um, Jermaine Pratt, I just think, while he scored less, and like you said, he gets kind of the least amount of snaps, it wasn't far off enough for me to think that, okay, he's a talented player. He's playing less snaps, but almost giving you the same production. And that tells me either one isn't producing enough or one had a fluke overproduced year. I'm of the mindset that they signed him to a three-year deal because they also saw something like that. Hey, he's not playing a lot, but he is contributing to the stat sheet, to the games, to the wins. I think that there's something to be said that we have to understand that these people, these are people, all right? These are people who are motivated by certain things. This guy just got a substantial promotion at his job. He got a three-year contract for millions of dollars that's probably set his family up for life. I don't believe he's the type of guy that's going to want to be proven wrong. So why why not factor that into when I'm making a fantasy decision here that this guy may be more motivated than last year? This guy's like, hey, I got the bag, so now I need to make sure that I can continue to secure the bag. And not that Logan Wilson isn't doing that, but I just believe that he got the most recent pat on the back for the Bengals. Linebackers don't often get paid. Linebackers are often not, and he didn't get substantial money, but he got stable enough money that the Bengals are like, hey, we're going to make you a cornerstone in this defense. Um, I don't know if he's wearing the dot. I don't think he's wearing the dot. I think that's Wilson who is wearing that. But I just believe that if he's doing the same with less production, maybe he gets more production. Maybe he gets more snaps this year. And we see that production elevate. Yeah. Hey, not only did he get a second contract, 
he got a second contract with that same team, which really says something. It's not some team seeing his skill set and being like, man, I, I feel like I could do some good with this guy. It's his on team a smaller, Yeah, on a smaller scale, I'm sorry to cut you off. You're good. It reminds me of Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright. K.J. Wright was always second fiddle to Bobby Wagner, but K.J. Wright was an absolute stud if you could get him. He wasn't he wasn't going to you know, pop off the stat sheet on you, but there were two linebackers there. One of them was an all-timer. He still is an insane player. But K.J. Wright, being the second guy there, was somebody who was a set-and-forget kind of guy for me, where it was like, okay, I know what I'm going to get from him. He's the consistent guy. He's not going to win me leagues, but he's not going to lose me a week. So... I think that Pratt and Wilson could be that kind of duo here for your team. Mm. That mention of KJ Wright just made me die a little bit on the inside. <laughs> um, Shout out uh, to KJ Wright, man. Um, uh, yeah, this defense, this defense doesn't—they're not projecting anything with Jermaine Pratt. They—they they know what he is, and they already have a plan for him. Uh, the guy that was interviewing with the Steelers was Quan Alexander, so probably oh, the third guy. Another dude that I was yeah. so into. Oh my gosh, so sad. Um, there are going back to the Bengals. They have two edge rushers. One guy does one thing. One guy does another thing. You have one of them picked out above the other one. I I I know there's a good justification for this. I'm excited to hear it. Uh, I have to imagine it's probably based on like scoring format too. But uh, last year's stat sheets were actually pretty interesting because I was higher on the other one. Um, but now yeah. going into this season, I might be having second thoughts. So I'm a primary dynasty guy. So most of what I do is uh, full roster IDP dynasties and save up younger. And honestly, I like he made probably the biggest play of the season mm-hmm. last last year with that insane pick six against the Ravens. And I know that's not anything to do with fantasy other than me, you know, just, you know, going crazy over the Bengals. But that you never see that type of thing with Hendrickson. You just don't. Hendrickson is, I'm going to go after your quarterback. Sometimes I'm going to get him. And I, I'm assuming that's who you're talking about, is Trey Hendrickson, right? So I am really, I'm more of a Hubbard. He's younger. He's a, he's a Cincy kid. I think that's cool. He made a, he he does more than just rush the quarterback. He can, he can drop back a little bit. He's a little bit more athletic. He's younger. I just think that if I wanted, if I wanted to throw it up in the air where it's okay, who's going to be better this week? There's an argument to be made for both, but there were only two games that he was outscored by Hendrickson. So if you want a tiebreaker, he just beat him every week. If that, and honestly, that could be just the justification for him. Mine's a little bit more hard overhead, but I don't believe that there is a wrong pick here. And I didn't want to end my list with like ten bagels, so I left Hendrickson off. And it was more so because I do I wanted to try to mix it up, but I could have put 10 bagels on here if you asked me to. But I truly believe that Hubbard will be the one who will outscore Hendrickson again, and his role will be kind of more carved out. He's kind of like a hero now, so I think that they're really going to be, you know, leader of the defense. And I do believe that when you get that type of confidence, it changes how you play the game. Absolutely. I think, uh, did you see that notification about, like, Lamar, who went to the bathroom and then that pick six happened, and he came back. It's like, man, what the heck happened? <laughs> I don't even. I don't. I. I think I blacked out the rest of that game. I was jumping around my living room like I was the one who made the play. I was screaming like he went to say he was in from Cincinnati. He was a kid. I was a kid about the same time he was. It was like, dude, this is the coolest thing that I've ever watched as a Bengals fan. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
this this tenth guy on the list, I'm hoping will spark some interesting discussion because I have some thoughts. Um, but before I I butt in and, and tell you what I think, let's hear your justification for putting this guy here. Okay, so this is a guy who I just want to full disclosure. I've I've had him off and on in many leagues for many years, even dating back to when he was a Colt. Anthony Walker for Cleveland. There really isn't a lot of stats. I can't give you a bunch of stats. He got hurt early. He didn't play the entire year. Uh, their whole linebacker core last year was like, it was so muddy. It was so random. I always, it kind of felt bad. It felt like they were just signing people to to play just because every week somebody else was getting hurt or somebody else was getting cut or whatever was going on. Anthony Walker produced when he had playing time. He produced. He had 13 tackles in three games. Okay, so a little before four and a third tackles a game. I think you put that over the course of a season here. You're looking at 72 tackles. That's not awful. You know, you're not going to, it's it's not Roquan and Cole Holcomb, but 70 tackles, if you can get that, that's a linebacker three, maybe a, a depth guy for your bench. I also want to take a little bit of a risk here because I don't think, there's a, there's a real possibility here that he doesn't even hold the job. And I think that, when you're talking football in May, everything sounds great. We could do this in June, and I might go back and go, hey, worst decision I ever made was putting him on the list because I've jinxed him or whatever. I believe, though, he's 27 years old. They have really decent pass rushers. I mean, they really do. With Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett on the edges, that's a formidable pass rush. I think if you can get a good pass rush, any linebacker is valuable because quarterbacks are going to be looking to dump the ball off. They're not going to be able to do those five-step drops where they're trying to throw it deep. So he could get a, the, be the benefit of slant passes, people flying right in front of his face, and just getting those quick, easy, oh, they tripped, touch-up tackles. I think that there's possibility for that to happen, but make no mistake, there's risk with him. Yeah, it, and I think Anthony Walker is a great example of the dangers of just looking at last season's finishes to project this season's finishes. Obviously, it's a lot harder, but the ideal thing to do when you are trying to figure out how valuable a player is is look at a defense and try and figure out what they intend to do with their players, how they intend to use them. Now, granted, the Browns have a new defensive coordinator this year, Jim Schwartz, but previously, Anthony Walker was the green dot in that defense. If people remember, he, he was the reason Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa didn't see more snaps his rookie year, and he was playing over JOK last year, too. He wore the green dot even when JOK was playing. And so, JOK's quote-unquote breakout it wasn't even really a breakout he still has some ways to go but uh, that happened after Anthony Walker got injured and they brought Anthony Walker back this new defensive scheme did so that has to mean something now JOK has significantly higher best ball ADP and I've been drafting him from time to time because I like his weekly upside uh, but I absolutely am in agreement with you here Anthony Walker is incredibly underrated right now he could be a guy that you get at the end of your draft or even off of waivers and you just realize that you're starting him as your linebacker four or linebacker five every single week. Uh, and obviously, yeah. When you're, when you're getting to this type of um, tier, we can argue what tier he fits in. But like I said earlier, once we got past the top five, you're looking for people that not only give you the ability to score, but where can you acquire it? Is the value worth the points that you will get? Anthony Walker will probably in some situations not be drafted. I, I really believe that there are certain formats where you don't even really draft it. Or you do is like a throwaway pick and you're like, ah, I would rather have, like you said, Jay, okay, I'd rather I'd rather have him. And then you're thinking, okay, well, who was the other linebacker in Cleveland last year? Well, if you 
like you said, if you're going off of stats last year, you're not even looking his way. Uh, it, it's all value-based to me from here. It, I really am looking like, how can I get him without giving up too much, without picking too high? And I think that if you could acquire Anthony Walker late in drafts or even in waivers, if that's how the draft goes by, you will be so rewarded this year. I, I might prefer him in managed leagues where I don't have to suffer the consequences of his downside if for whatever reason I'm wrong. If I can cut him, great, I'll replace him. Like one of the biggest things that hurt me in best ball leagues last year was I drafted some guys that lost their starting roles and put up zeros for me every single week. And I didn't have an opportunity to switch them out with someone else. But in a managed league, like we were saying, you know, if he doesn't hit, you're not obligated to keep him around and you didn't invest much into him to begin with. Exactly. We have two other things we want to cover on this episode today. We've got a couple rookies that we want to talk about and rookies that actually have like legitimate impact. And then I kind of want to go team by team and do really, really quick hits on some other guys that we didn't put on our top 10 list, but still worth being mentioned. But first things first, we are we are getting some more Bengals out of the way. And they had a really good draft, too. So let's hear about their first rounder that they got this year. Yeah, so for IDP purposes, uh, my number one of the top five rookies was uh, Miles Murphy. First round capital, a Bengals defense that we talked about doesn't really have a star. I mean, honestly, outside of Cincinnati, how many people could name Sam Hubbard? How many people could name Logan Wilson? Not a lot. Miles Murphy being a first-round pick in the NFL draft is a big deal. It's a big deal because the Bengals have had good drafts recently, so I trust the people in place to make these picks. They, you don't spend a first-round pick on a guy that's not going to play or at least get early opportunities to play. Many cases, first-round picks get too many opportunities before they're moved off on because somebody's trying not to be like, oh, I missed the pick. you know. So I think that the safest of anyone in this division is Edge Miles Murphy. Yeah, I agree with you. And while his year one outlook is iffy because he'll probably be behind Hendrickson and Hubbard, I don't have any doubts about his talent and his ability to earn a starting role when given a chance and produce with that work. And so... The draft capital combined with the landing spot, combined with the talent, I, I agree. He's definitely one of the best rookies in this division. And I'm actually, in hindsight, looking at this, this division is not great for rookie IDPs. I mean, I, I don't know that for sure. I mean, I would have to look at all the other divisions. Maybe there just hasn't been that many great rookie IDPs. But like a lot of these guys, with the exception of one guy that we're about to talk about, are probably more long-term plays. But there is one guy that has a chance to be week one relevant. Who is that guy? So that is Jordan Battle, who is the safety that Cincinnati drafted in the third round. Honestly, he has just the path of least resistance of anybody else on this list. Uh, they're they're starting two new safeties this year with Vaughn Bell and Jesse Bates leaving. For IDPers, you know, Jesse Bates was incredible just two or three years ago as far as being able to produce stats. Somebody's going to get those stats. Uh, we drafted Dax Hill last year, who's going to get the first crack at uh, getting significant playing time. But we uh, have Nick Scott, who's playing the other one. I don't know much about Nick Scott. I And I think that when you invest a third-round pick, which isn't as high as a first-round pick, but it's not a throwaway pick, you're expecting this guy to produce for your team in some sort of role. He's currently listed as a backup on the depth chart, which is to be expected. But I don't know how long that'll be. And I think that the Bengals are in a win-now window. They are going to be a high-powered offense, but they're not going to try to just outscore other teams. I do think that part of the issues that they've had is obviously you have to score more than your opponents, but you have to hold your opponents. And our pass defense has been less than ideal 
for the better part of two years. It's not been the worst in the league, and we've seen it improve steadily. But when you lose two big leaders like Bates and Vaughn Bell, there could be initial um, chaos at that position. If there's some chaos, somebody's going to be blamed. I think there's going to be a lot of switching. I think there's going to be a lot of people getting, hey, in this um, scenario here of the game, we're going to lean on you. I think it's not going to be a regimented position. I don't think it's going to be like, hey, you're the starter, and we're just not going to sub you out. I do believe there's going to be changes. And I think that he's got an opportunity to kind of fight for some play time. Maybe not at the beginning of the year, but as the playoff push begins, as they really start to tighten up what they want to do as we continue to go after that elusive Super Bowl that we're getting this year, I think that we could finally see him maybe produce, maybe even get some starts towards the end. Yeah, I mean, talk about losing some star-studded members. I mean, Eli Apple, how how, how are you guys going to live without him? I mean, I don't want to talk about you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would also say uh, the Bengals defensive coordinator, correct me if I'm wrong, Lou Anarumo, one, of, one of the best defensive coordinators in all of football. I mean, he, the fact that this guy did not get a head coaching job is right. is an affront to, to his talents. I have yes. to trust him. As a fan, it's weird to have coveted coordinators, but we had back in the day, with back in the Lewis days, we had, uh, I think it was Jay Gruden and Micah Zimmer were coordinators for us for our successes where we were going that five or six straight playoffs where we, we didn't win. So it's weird to be in this position because obviously everybody knows the bungles, right? But having legitimate people that are showing their worth and showing the results on the field is exactly why I like guys like Murphy and Battle immediately is because this guy knows what he's doing. And he's not going to put players in a scheme that he doesn't trust. And if they trusted these two enough with first and third round capital, there's something there. And if there's something there for fo- real football, there's something there for fake football too. 100%. 100%. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to this next guy. He's really intriguing to me. I, I'm having a hard time kind of separating the second tier of rookie linebackers. This guy's absolutely in that tier though. So let's just break him down really quick and kind of give the listeners an idea of range, what his range of outcomes is. Yeah, so I don't know much about Trenton Simpson, Baltimore linebacker. I know that he's going into a situation where Patrick Queen is kind of on the on the out outside looking in almost, it feels like. They elected not to pick up his option, so I believe he's playing on a contract here. If if he isn't in their long term future, somebody's gotta step up. Roquan's not going anywhere. And Roquan Baltimore has the ability to support more than just Roquan. Patrick Queen has been up and down. I'm sure IDPers love him and hate him. I think that there are weeks where you get Patrick Queen, you're like, this is the dude that I drafted. We finally got something here. I'm going to win the Super Bowl. This is great. And then other weeks, it's like, why is this guy on my roster? Why do I keep doing this to myself? Why can't I just let it go? Roster cloggers, as we call it. Trenton Simpson is not going to probably play early, but he's got a real opportunity moving forward with this team. And we've both kind of said the IDPs in this, the rookie IDPs in this division were, were more top-heavy. And I think that as we're starting to kind of look for uh, relevancy, we have to look at opportunity. And I believe that Simpson has the greatest long-term opportunity of the remaining people. Yes, I definitely agree with you there. These last two guys, I really don't think we need to spend much time on them. I don't expect either of them to be all that relevant, but they're at least worth mentioning. Yeah, so I have Keanu Benton, the defensive tackle for Pittsburgh. Uh, Right now, I will say... uh, 
good thing about him is he is currently listed as a starting nose tackle. So that is a big deal. Um, if you're looking for, if your team does a position specific, a lot of my leagues do position specific players as a defensive tackle when you're in an IDP draft, he's worth a flyer. He's not your Jalen Carter. He's not going to, you know what I mean? He's not Aaron Donald. He's not doing that, but he is going to be a starter. He's got credible pass rushers around him. So he's going to have some opportunities to get one-on-ones and who knows if you get one-on-one, it's just one man versus the other who's to say he can't win that. Yeah, seriously. This next guy, I have to imagine TJ Watt literally jumped into the draft room and said, everybody, take this guy or I will hurt you. Now, I can't guarantee that that's what happened, but uh, this guy is definitely interesting. Uh, We might have to have a little conversation about like his positional designation and, and where he plays snaps and where we might actually project him to, you know, where we might project him to play on a positional eligibility standpoint. But let's go ahead and hear your quick breakdown. Yeah, so Nick Herbig, linebacker, edge, defensive end, whatever you want to call him for Pittsburgh, he is uh, currently listed as the backup for P.J. Watt. As mentioned earlier, Watt is starting to have injury issues. Not anything that's career-threatening, likely, but we're starting to see him miss a game or two here and there. And last year, we saw Alex Highsmith really perform when Watt was injured. And with Highsmith getting defensive end eligibility, he's pretty good. But we need to focus on potential for Herbig to play early, honestly, because I don't foresee Watt going through a whole season without maybe even if it's just a rolled ankle. You know, he's too talented of a player to not have at 100%. He's too, you don't, if he's got a kind of sort of injury in a game that's meaningless, there's opportunity where he'll, they'll just sit him out with 18 game season. There's a lot of, there's a lot of teams I wouldn't say are doing like the NBA load management type of thing. But there are some people who will just say, hey, we're just not going to risk it this week. We're five and one. I think Pittsburgh is going to be really good this year. So if he does get hurt later in the year and they're, you know, six and two, five and two, it wouldn't shock me if Watt got almost like a rest week to recover from an injury. And somebody has to play in those spots. Why not test what your rookies got if you're already sort of doing that thing? Now, that's completely speculation. I have no statistics. I am not clairvoyant on that. But if I'm going to go with a, a rookie, I want somebody who's going to have an opportunity to be on the field. And I believe that Herbig's that guy. Yeah, one of my favorite underrated Tomlinisms is when he was talking about T.J. Watt coming back from injury. He was like, man, I'd rather say woe than sick him. Basically, just talking about, man, T.J. Watt wants to be on the field, and I know he wants to be out there, and I know he wants to play. I have to hold him back, and I would rather hold him back than tell him to keep going. And so uh, definitely interesting as far as how safe they might play it with him and his health. Let's really quickly go team by team. Yeah. And see if there's any other guys that we want to really quickly touch on. There's one specific person that I actually want to start with first. Yeah, Glad go. Let's, let's go for it. Start with him. Grant Delpit, safety for Cleveland. I don't know how high he's being drafted, but it's too low. I think that he is one of those guys that could sneak into the top five in his position this year. Uh, he was current. He is the DB nine last year. He finished scoring as the defensive, the ninth best defensive back. He was the IDP forty two last year in standard scoring leagues. So depending on what your scoring is, if you're more big play scorer, whatever that could that could change. But in a standard IDP league, he was a top ten defensive back, and I don't think a lot of people realize, excuse me, realize that from him. Uh, he is young. He's twenty four years old. He's already been in the top ten in his position or top ten in his 
designation. I think that he's somebody that people need to look for. Maybe he's not the guy you acquire. It's the safety, and everybody thinks safeties are a dime a dozen, and that may be the case. But I think if you're looking for somebody who probably isn't being talked about a lot right now, Grant Delpit should be the guy. In basketball drafts, Grant Delpit is going as a DB21. How do you feel about that? Unbelievable. That is so. That is disrespectful to the man. Disrespectful. This dude is 24 years old and has already finished top 10 once. Well, I don't know what more you can do for the guy. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know why people don't look at this and go, oh, wow. Especially if you're a dynasty. If you're a dynasty, some people have this dude. This dude was on waivers. So just, I, I really think that people need to get away from name recognition. It's so cool to read your read your team on the screen. And you're like, yeah, I got this guy. His last name's cool. This guy. And then look at this dude. He was good two years ago. Look at the guy producing now. I don't care who you are. Are you on the field? Are you contributing to points? I don't even really worry about real. Are you contributing to your team, quite frankly? Are you just on the field? Are you playing snaps? And are you getting stats? That's what this game was all about. It's about stats. And this dude is scored. Take your emotions out of fantasy football and just win. Yeah. There's two more Cleveland Browns that I want to talk about before I move on to another team. One guy is definitely a hot topic right now is Darius Smith. I might be higher on him than you. We'll see. I haven't really fleshed out my opinion on him. I think he probably slots in above Agbenia Okoronkwo and starts rushing opposite Miles Garrett immediately. Dude, you're way braver than I am tra- tackling that name. Shout out to you for that. I wouldn't have even tried. Hey, it takes a lot of practice, man. <laughs> it takes a lot of failed attempts. So Zadarius Smith to me, when we were talking earlier about that third linebacker and you just need and you don't know who to play, he's the perfect mold for that. Because he very often will have that bat week. But every now and again you get that gym where he just gets free two or three times. They miss assignment stage two where he's just better than the guy in front of him. It will get you two or three sacks. So that is kind of where I stand on him, honestly. I'm not going to build a team around him. I'm not going to try to acquire him. That being said, if he falls to me, he's kind of like, okay, you know, I'll, I'm not. he's not going to start for me, but I like to see him on my bench there. I like the opportunity, and then I can go, okay, who's got the bad O-line this year? You know, does anybody in our division have a bad line? So do the Bengals have a bad line this year? Are they, Or did they finally fix that? Because if not, you have two games against the Bengals line that's proven that they're going to give up sacks. So you have at least two weeks where you know I have a pass rusher going against a bad offensive line. That, to me, two weeks sometimes is the difference between playoffs and no playoffs. So if he can get you one stellar week and you can just overcome you know, overcome a team in your league based on one player having a big game, who's to say he can't be that guy? Yeah, one of my favorite assets in all of fantasy football is the stinky defensive back that scores points. Oh. And I have so many of them in these best ball drafts because I always wait to draft DB. And one of my favorite guys that fits that description this year is Juan Thornhill, or as I love to call him, Juan Thornhill. (laughs) Apparently it's not his name. I mean, I'm from Arizona and in the Southwest, when you say J names like that, you say with a Juan, but I guess I'm wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So again, he's, he's more for me on the, yeah, if if, if he's there, I'm going to take him. I'm not moving heaven and earth to acquire him. I think, was he Kansas City last year? Was that who he was with? Yeah. Was he with? Yeah, so Kansas City last year had a lot of uh, fun defensive backs to have, and I just believe it was because they just didn't have that good of a pass defense. Now, this year with the Browns, I don't know how they're going to be defensively. I believe that there are, personally, I believe if I, I'm only really worried about Delpit on the, in their secondary, 
after that, it's kind of like a toss-up. I'm just going to see who's available. Thornhill's not a bad pick. He had a good year last year in the scheme that he was in, but I'm always wary that first year when you switch teams, more so because you just don't know. If everything remains equal, it's easy to go, okay, these stats will transition because, hey, they you know they did it last year. You move into a new system, new locker room. Sometimes it just doesn't work. So I'm probably more of a sell guy on Thornhill, but I don't really necessarily have an opinion on yeah, I, that's honestly, that's fair. He's stinky for a reason. I see him kind of just doing John Johnson things. Uh, we talked a lot We talked a lot about Bengals already. I don't really think we need to really dive into anybody else, per se. Dax Hill, man, I'm tired of these Bengals. <laughs> Dax Hill's exciting. I, he's going relatively high in these best ball drafts. Uh, I'll pull up his actual number here. In his, oh, well, here we go, DB33. Um, so I think that... Sharper managers are already starting to see what upside he possesses, but that can definitely differ in different drafts because he didn't really play last year. Some managers who just look at last year's rankings will completely miss on him. And so I want you to to fluff him up just a little bit because he's so exciting. (laughs) So I think a lot of, and we're we're noticing this, the last two defensive backs we've talked about in both of our opinions are being way underdrafted. And I think you're getting back into name recognition. Dax Hill is a second-year guy. Grant Delp is 24 years old. They play in the AFC North, which isn't really broadcast anywhere. It's no it's no fancy city. You know, I mean, you're getting Cincinnati and Cleveland. You know, you're not getting those New York darlings, the, the Miamis, the bright lights of L.A. You know, you're not doing those things. So we're not getting those national games. So if you're not like a diehard, if you're not really, really searching, you may miss that. I think Dax Hill was one of those people. He was the first-round pick for the Bengals last year. And contrary to what a lot of fans may have wanted, did not play as much as anticipated. That being said, now you can see why. It's almost like he got a full year to kind of learn the NFL. Hill will play early and often. It's going to be a matter of who's going to be that second guy. Because I think the first guy for the Bengals, we all know is going to be Hill. I think DB33 at best ball isn't, isn't fair. I think they're looking at last year's stats and thinking, okay, who is this guy? Sure, I'll take him. People forget that Jesse Bates just a few years ago was a top five safety in IDP, and he's gone. That position is still there. So whether it's a stat-happy statistician in Paul Brown or now Paycor Stadium or not, this somebody's going to get those points. Don't be the guy that missed out because you didn't recognize the guy's name. Do your homework, look around, look at what happened last year, look who was getting the points, and then realize, oh, both those guys are gone. Yeah, the way that they use safeties in that scheme is very productive. Somebody's going to get those points. Another DB who I believe is going to get a lot of points, now moving over to the Ravens, Kyle Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Oh, the so ascended one. Yeah, so he's... He's good. I mean, he showed last year in spurts that he's going to be kind of like, he's going to be here to stay. He's not just going to be a flash of the pan. Uh, he's got a, I like, I like the sophomore year for some of these guys more than I like the rookie year. It's easy to get picked on the NFL, your rookie year in the secondary, because you're going against top flight athletes. Not only are you trying to cover these guys, but then you got a quarterback on the other side of the field that's playing chess with you. And some of these dudes just come in and it's an overwhelming. I mean, think about Kyle Hamilton division with Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow. That can't be easy to have to try to play chess every week. That's four games a year that you're worried about doing that. Now, at the same time, I think he handled it pretty well. I think that we know Ravens can support dynamic safeties. Everybody remembers Ed Reed. I mean, my Lord, he's probably one of the best that's ever played the game. Since Ed Reed, I don't know if I could name 
a Raven safety. Maybe Chuck Clark, but honestly, I mean, who else do we really have there? So that being said, I think that Kyle Hamilton is going to take up that old school Ravens. Hey, we're going to be we're going to be a defensive minded team. They re-signed Deshaun or Deshaun. They re-signed Lamar Jackson, and I think that they're going to do that slow run heavy. We're going to beat you with defense. I think Lamar is going to try to prove something this year with passing. I don't believe that Harbaugh's philosophy is going to suddenly be, hey, new offensive coordinator, start throwing the ball over the field. They may throw more. I still think they're going to play Ravens football, which is run the ball, you know, suffocate their opponent defensively, and you have to have leaders on defense to do that. I think it's Roquan, and I think it's Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, I agree with you, man. He has DB1 upside, but he is being taken... Uh. Let me actually look at this real quick. Um, Kyle Hamilton, I mean, his upside is incredible. His usage is really good. Yeah. He is being taken right now. Oh, no. I sorted by the wrong thing. All right. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next thing, and then I'll, I'll pull up his ADP in a sec. Uh, Odafe Owe, David Ojabo, the Ravens run a really heavy rotation at defensive line, so it's not really something I'm all that excited about. Right. I want to jump over to a team that has a more of an exciting defensive line, which is the Steelers. Two guys we haven't really talked about a bunch yet, and Cameron Hayward and Alex Highsmith have both been incredibly productive. Let's give them just a little bit of time in the spotlight real quick before we close this episode out. Yeah, so Cameron Hayward is like a man who will never age. He is absolutely a stud still. And I was um, shamefully kind of anti-Hayward last year wrote some stock market articles for football guys and was anti-Hayward early. Um, it's easy to think, okay, this guy's old, therefore he won't produce. And then seeing all of a sudden that, nah, this dude's a top five defensive lineman. And until you see that dip in production, it's almost just like, you know what, follow your bride. I was wrong. This guy's a stud. He finished as the 39th overall defensive player. And he finishes DL5. If he keeps playing, he needs to start. Maybe I'm a little bit more risk-averse trying to draft somebody that old unless I'm in a win-now scenario. If I'm in a win-now, he's absolutely somebody you want to have because you may be able to maximize. He's not worth that much. I mean, I, I, if you put him out on the market, people aren't really going to like... You're not going to get a first-round pick for him, but you can you could probably acquire him at a discount while also being in a competitive win-now window, and I think both people can benefit from a trade like that. Yes, I totally agree. He's He's got that grown man strength. Oh, I don't know how he does it. He's absolutely insane. He's like Calais Campbell. Yes, seriously. He's so good. And what a great team leader, too. I should stop fawning over my Steelers. Real quick, Kyle Hamilton, DB7 in best ball right now. How do you okay. feel about that? I like that. I like that. That's right about, you know, I think it's fair. I don't think, I think you could find six guys better. You could probably find more than six guys that some people prefer. But I also don't feel like he's getting disrespected like the other two of the division so far. Yeah, and then as for Alex Highsmith, I mean, volume hog, who's to say if his production last year came from a lack of T.J. Watt or if T.J. Watt returning means better things for his future? I'm curious real quick how you feel about his projectable future with a healthy T.J. Watt potentially. Yeah, so I want to start with the positive here before I go into a little bit of the negative. So I think that if you were given the opportunity and you succeed in the opportunity, that that type of thing is not forgotten. Mike Tomlin strikes me as a loyal guy. He strikes me as a no-nonsense, hey, I just need to win football games, I'm going to work defensively. And then he saw somebody take on a leadership role with Watt, one of their best players on the team, not just the defense, get injured. And Highsmith suddenly was like unstoppable. He had a five or six-week period where it was like, holy cow, who is this guy? Okay, so there's your positive. The negative side is, I do believe it was because of the Watt 
injury. I think that he took on a load or took on a, a role that Watt is going to have until he leaves. And I think that he's going to be probably more of a role player, more of a uh, maybe not rotational so much as they just going to use him differently. He's not going to be the primary rusher. I think if you're rushing the quarterback, you're going to rush TJ Watt. All right. If you're in, somebody has to stay back unless you're going an all out blitz. And I think that if you're trying to be schematically, uh, you know, sneaky, you're going to probably maybe try to do him with different coverages, different schemes. But I, I'm more of a pessimist when it comes to can he replicate it? Now he finishes the 22nd best defensive lineman, which was pretty good because I probably didn't know his name prior to last year. But I do believe that a lot of that was because he had super inflated numbers for a few weeks. Alex Highsmith. I want you to try and guess where you think he's being drafted in ADP among all defensive linemen, so edge rushers and defensive tackles. I'm going to go with 35. Higher. One more. Like higher is in like... Much higher. Oh, he's being drafted sooner, earlier. Earlier, okay. 25. 18. Wow. Yeah. Now, wow. what do you think? Some people are probably drinking the juice. Say that again? What do you think of that? You're a Pittsburgh guy, so what do you think of Yeah, I've drafted him occasionally. Here are some of the guys he's going around. This became a best ball podcast. Every podcast with me is a best ball podcast at some point. Um, we've got, I think the tear break ends right after Daniil Hunter at DL14. After him, Matthew Judon, Aaron Donald, Josh Allen, Alex Highsmith, Chase Young, Uchenna Nwosu, Jeffrey Simmons. I had a lot of problems with that. Next, yeah. With the yeah. next rankings. I don't think, I mean, I think 25 for me is, or 20, what'd you say was 20? His ADP? Yeah, was it 18? 18. Yeah, so 18, that's high for me personally, especially going over Simmons. I think Simmons is insane. I'm, I'm just kind of shocked he's available back there. And then you also said Chase Young, who I think people forget mm-hmm. just how good he was. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just, that's such a mystery to me. I don't even know how to respond to that. 18 just feels so, yeah, that feels so high. Would I guess the days, and no, I take him I mean, if he falls to like the middle of the third round. Right. But like, man, I, I miss the days when I could get him in like the fourth round of these best ball drafts, but um, but yeah, man, he just keeps crawling up. I've seen him now get as high as like the mid to high second round, which is just crazy. Um, all right, I'm gonna put you on the spot one more time before we close out this episode. No pressure to you, but from memory, without looking, I want to see if you can name a Steeler safety other than Mika Fitzpatrick. Oh, golly, yeah, I'll, I'll like. Playing currently is yep. <laughs> on the other side of Palomalu fandom for a while. I really don't think I could. I, I don't. I'm, I'm blanket. Yeah, man. What are they going to do with their other starting safety? Based oh, on these best ball drafts, it seems like people are gravitating towards Keanu Neal, who they signed this offseason. I really liked Keanu Neal, but I think he's going to be more of your in the box guy, which may benefit Mika. Would you be shocked if they tried to test Pat Peterson back there? I would be shocked. I think he's going to play outside corner. You do think uh, he's still going to play man up? Yes, I, I think so. I think I think he signed with the team to to play that role. I think they're going to use him that way. Uh, I'm looking at these other safeties who who's being drafted. I mean, Keanu Neal is still listed as a linebacker on sleeper, which is not accurate. But like, who else do they have? Miles, I don't, I don't even tell. It. Levi Wallace. I like Keanu Neal. If Keanu Neal plays there, they could be sneaky. If, yeah, if they. Invest in it because he he had a couple of really good years in Atlanta. They when he got recoded the linebacker for a little bit, kind of. I'm not sure what position he plays anymore. To be honest with you, that's what makes me nervous about him. Yeah, Keanu Neal might be the winner of this podcast's most stinky DB award. 
Uh, well, Matt, this is this has been a really really fun podcast. We were talking ahead of time about just kind of like our preparation process and the mindset that we take into fantasy. I I've been really glad that we got to have that conversation. We approach fantasy very similarly. We we look at data, we look at opportunity, we stay in the realm of things that I think we know, and I, I think that's really cool and really respectable. Before we close this episode out, I want to give the listeners a chance to figure out where they can find you on Twitter. So why don't you go ahead and, and let them know where they can find you and, and then like what you do, where do you write? Yeah, so I write for Football Guys. Last year was actually year one for me, so it was pretty cool to really... I've been kind of chasing the stream for a while. Uh, everybody knows Sean Norton. He's the guru of IDP. Uh, he was my uh, baseball coach's kid, so I kind of learned IDP from him and then got an opportunity to write. Uh, through him, and he's been a great mentor, teaching me how to do that, and honestly, kind of helped me fall in love with IDP. So weekly, I do a stock market piece throughout the season, starting in week two or three, depending on when we decide to do it. And I basically just give you, hey, here are your best stocks, right? Here are your best players. Best players are the best, and here's why they're the best. And here are the guys that maybe were supposed to be the best and aren't doing well, and some middle-tier stuff to kind of you know, give me an opportunity to see a full spectrum of players, people you didn't know. Uh, pat myself on the back here. Loved Hufanga last year. Talanoa Hufanga. Loved his name. He was fun. Started following him, man. That guy reminds me of Paul Malu, Mr. Steelers fan. So mm-hmm. things like that. But I've also was super wrong on Demarcus Lawrence. So you're going to get, and I'm and I'm going to fall on the sword. You know, I'm going to really overhype the wins and I'm going to really, really hate the losses. But, you know, I mean, that's what this is all about. You know, I was wrong with Demarcus Lawrence. So if you traded him, I'm so sorry. It was my fault. You've lost your lead because of me, blah, blah, blah. But hey, if you picked up Mufaga, I guarantee you won a, a league or two. So things like that are why I love this. I also do the forward projections for IDP, which I'm getting better at. Uh, that's That was a challenge. That I didn't realize how intense doing that sort of thing is. Got some pointers from the guru himself. Looking forward to doing that again this year for football guys. Wonderful company to work for. And then I also write for other sports on Last Word on Sports uh, with my uh, managing editor, uh, Drew Crabtree great place to write another opportunity where i can kind of spread my wings a little bit talk nba talk nfl but you know what i'm a sports i'm a sports fan at heart and i get into kind of follow my dream this is podcast number one thank you so much guys for the idp show for you know reaching out love to do this had a great time getting to meet you and listen you got a fan thank you man absolutely matt monty ff on twitter this guy's pushing 1000 dude let's get him up to a thousand come on um, hey First 1,000, and then we are just pushing from there. Uh, it was a the hardest. Oh, yeah. That's what they say. <laughs> That's somewhere. They probably say that. <laughs> um, and listeners, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at IDP Evan. This has been the IDP After Show, breaking down the AFC North. Thank you again, Matt, for joining us. And until next time, y'all, peace out. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>